Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 31st episode of Crime Over Wine, the only podcast with head-scratching true crime stories that are just better over a bottle of wine. I'm your host, Liam Collins, and this week, my guest co-host is a podcaster, a Chattanooga, and a totally badass mom, too. My guest co-host this week is Kenzie Durbin. Hello, Kenzie. How are you? Good, Liam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited that you're here. So Kenzie is the co-host of Crimeaholics, a twice-weekly true crime podcast that she hosts alongside her friend Holly Allen. She is also the host of Consignment Therapy, a dating sex and mental health podcast. So you got like the whole spectrum there. <laughs> so <laughs> We'll have to bring you on Consignment Therapy sometimes and sit down and get in on the girl talk. Oh, I, you know, I love some girl talk over a bottle of wine. That's the, that's the, those are my kind of days. So I will gladly <laughs> do that any day of the week. So. So, uh, speaking of wine, let's get to our wine of the week, Kenzie. So, this week we are drinking Silk and Spices Red Blend. It's smooth and juicy with a slight vanilla note, and it brings out flavors of nutmeg, cinnamon, and pepper. So, like, spicy flavors. Like, so, like talk about that Silk and Spice. I'm really excited to do this. And I know Kenzie did have, like, a little bit of a, like, a confession to make me. Um, and, like, you know, <laughs> everyone, like, you know, reserve your judgments, but she's not a wine girl. Um, tried so hard to, like, get myself to like wine I've tried so many. My friends are like, oh, you're going to like this kind. You're going to like it. And then I take a small sip and I'm like, I can't do it. I'm a big... <laughs> I'm a beer girl through and through. Well, get spend enough time with me. I promise you, you will be on the <laughs> other end of that spectrum for sure. So, so what? So you said you like what kind of? Do you like like craft beers? Like where? Like where do you like to go in terms of? So I'm drinks? typically I like dark beer, and it's usually okay. like a Guinness, you know. Mm. But it's summertime, and I'm not trying to be bloated in my bikini, so I'm sticking <laughs> to the Mick Ultras. That's <laughs> very very fair. Yeah, I can't do. That's literally the reason why I can't and won't do beer is I just feel it just like sits in me yeah. also it's a weird so <laughs> that's why i stick with wine um but yeah so but we all have our things right so i love that sound so much okay well cheers to you kenzie thank you so much for coming on this week thank you for having me i'm really excited Okay, so when we are talking about silk and spice, like this, like it's like fill in the mouth with all sorts of wait, what did it say? It said nutmeg cinnamon and pepper oh yeah it's very very it's spicy have you ever had like so like again like so so bringing it back to to kenzie's like drink of choice um do you so have you had like like beers with like those kind of spices and spices there and all because i've never had a wine with that so they do like their fall lagers those are good because they do have like the nutmeg and then they have like they will have like a little the beers little hints Mm. of like cinnamon those are really good. I love a fall lager. Mm. And then also at Christmas time, they have a like, few specific beers that are tailored to like the Christmas holidays, with, like the nutmeg and the cinnamon mm. and stuff like that. So I have had those before. I think mm. they're pretty good. Yeah, I will say, I think the only time I ever really like beer is is a uh, fall beer. Um, yeah. Because that, those, those, flavors, those flavors are usually pretty good. Do you like a good like cider um, beer? Are you into those at all? Like the like Angry Orchard yeah. or mm. oh, what's that other yeah. one? Red's Apple. Have you had that? I don't think I've ever had that one before. I've definitely had an Angry yeah. Orchard there, though, of course. Like, and specifically, I think that that's usually what I go for, like the fall and the winter kind of thing. If I do go for a beer, I will say too, like the like just because I am a red girly, right? Like, I, like in terms of wine. Um, but yeah. in the summer, though, I do like like a like a Corona, like in the summer, because I feel like that's oh like yeah. A whole vibe. You- so. A Corona with a lime. You have okay, to. you need to try a Mick Ultra with a lime. Yeah, I yeah. listen. Listen, 
my like corner of like your corner of the universe of wine is like very very small. My corner of the universe is <laughs> beer is very very small. Okay. So like we're gonna have to get each other there. So. Yeah. So you get me to the wine, I'll get you to the beers. Deal. I will take that deal any day of the week. So awesome. <laughs> well, you know, Kenzie. Um, as much as I love talking about alcohol, um, we have a whole story to get through, and this one is a doozy. It's it's a real doozy. So are you ready for this? Yes. Okay, so Kenzie, since we are both Chattanooga locals, this week I wanted to tell you a local story that I promise you won't be able to get out of your head. And I know that because I haven't been able to get it out of my head since I first read about this case two years ago. And it's all about how far people will go to achieve their dream life. This week, Kenzie, I want to tell you the story of Catherine Goins, the baby clothes killer. Around 11 in the morning on September 19th, 2014, Tony Richards got a call from his ex-girlfriend, Catherine Goins. Tony and Catherine were broken up, but Catherine was well into her third trimester with his child. That morning, Catherine asked Tony if she could head over to his home in Ringgold, Georgia, just south of Chattanooga, to get some things. And he said, yeah, sure, just like make it fast, okay? So he really didn't expect to hear any more from Catherine at all that day, and he definitely did not expect to hear what she had to say when she did end up calling. She told him that while she was at the house, an intruder had broken into his home. She said that she was in the bedroom, again, just gathering some of her belongings when she heard a noise from the hallway. She called out, she didn't hear any response, and that's when she saw a shadowy figure outside of the bedroom, who she says had something in her hand. So, terrified, she grabbed a handgun from the bedroom, fired it at the figure, and ran from the home. Okay, this is not where I was expecting this to go already. I thought this is going to be a totally different scenario than what it already is. Keep going. I want to hear more. Oh, yeah. Well, it's about to take a huge twist. So hold on to your seat for sure, Kenzie. So this is when Catherine calls Tony to tell him about what had just happened. And he says that she should call the police. He decides that he is going to come home around one that day to check out what the heck just happened at his house. And when he gets back, there are no police cars and no Catherine. He goes into the house and sees a woman slumped over at the bottom of the staircase that leads to the basement. She's bloodied and has a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. Now, totally confused, worried, and probably a little angry at Catherine, he calls back to ask why she hadn't called the police. She said she took the woman's car and left and was just too shaken up to call the cops. He says he's going to call police, but in the meantime, she had to come back right away so that she could be there to tell police what had just happened. So as soon as he hangs up the phone, he calls 911 and tells them the story that Catherine told him, that some woman had broken into his house and that Catherine shot her in self-defense, and now her lifeless body is at the bottom of the staircase. So she left, just left and didn't call the cops at all. Right. Right. Yeah. And like, so the other part of this um, that I don't really fully understand is like her taking um, her, the woman's car, like instead of like, because like, obviously like she doesn't live there. So like she has, like she got there somehow. So like, it's just kind of bizarre that like, that's your first instinct is like, take this woman's car. Like, it's just a weird, like 
place to go. Yeah, so like, wouldn't her own car and vehicle not right. be there at his house already? Yeah, and so I guess like the only thing, the only like explanation that I came up with in my head for like why this might have happened is like maybe like she didn't like she doesn't she doesn't strike me as like a woman who has like a lot of means, and so maybe she knew that she had like enough gas to like get to Tony's house, but like didn't have enough to like get the heck out of Dodge. You know what I mean? So like maybe like maybe like it was just low on gas, and like but okay. she just wanted out of there. Like sure. I don't know. As crazy as that seems to like of an explanation to come up with, um, I and that's just me in... digging, by the way. But... Yeah, no, no, no. But let me tell you how truly plausible that could be because I have the means to pay for gas, but I will not pump my own gas. I hate it. <laughs> so my car, nine times out of ten, is on E. Mm-hmm. And my friends in Chattanooga have to come and give me gas all the time when I run out. <laughs> So if I was in this scenario, I would likely be on E and would also likely have to take the victim's car. So, okay. So now we know if Kenzie's house ever gets broken into, we know how it's going to overall. Yeah. Like your theory's not far yeah. 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 I don't know. I, that is literally just like the only explanation as to like why that would be her first place to go at this point. But... Again, that whole thing changes in a little bit. So let's just like move on from that for sure. Um, so police get to the home just a while later and Catherine still hadn't made it to the home. They start surveying the scene and mapping everything out. Pretty quickly, they are able to identify the woman as 30 year old Natalia Roberts, a mother of two from Lafayette, Georgia, just about 20 minutes south from Tony's home. And they see the same thing that Catherine explained to Tony and that Tony explained to police. Natalia is slumped over at the bottom bottom of the staircase, there's blood everywhere, and police say that they see clear evidence that someone had tried to clean up this crime scene, but Tony says he didn't touch it. As for her cause of death, and that is clear as day, too, a single gunshot wound to the back of the head is what killed her. So, she probably tried to clean up the crime scene, and then took off with the car without calling the cops. Right. Yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, again, it's just like the... I would love to be like a fly on the wall in this whole situation. Like, I just want to... I need to know what she was thinking at all times, but... Okay, but a gunshot wound to the head just does not scream self-defense to me. Because if she's shot in the back of the head, clearly she's trying to get away. Right, and like any like prosecutor would tell you the same thing. Like, you're definitely right about that, Kenzie. And police are feeling the exact same way. They just have some questions about how this supposed break-in played out. But of course, to get those questions answered, they need to talk to the only person who was at the scene of the crime, Catherine. But she is still not at Tony's house yet. But she's about to be. And what she returns with absolutely baffles them. Catherine returns to Tony's home in Natalia's car, as she said, but in that car are two small children, a three-year-old and a three-week-old, both of Natalia's kids. This just keeps getting crazier. So she took off in a car that had the woman's kids already in the car. Yeah. And like, and like, again, this gets even crazier toward the end. Right. So like, hold on, Kenzie, for sure. But like, it's just, it makes me, again, makes me wonder like, okay, did she like know that the kids were in the car? Like, was it just, were they just like chilling in the backseat? I mean, I'm sure she did. Right. But like, unless she was just in like that kind of state of just like, okay, let me just get the car go. And like, oh my God, like we're like a half mile down the road and all of a sudden I see kids in the backseat. 
well, yeah, things like that have happened before because, you know, people sure. like carjack or like commit a crime sure. and they need a getaway car and they steal a car. And then halfway down the road, right. there's a kid. And then we've heard on the news before they like place the kid outside of the car because mm-hmm. and they leave mm-hmm. the kid there. Yeah. But she like brought the kids back. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like several hours later. <laughs> That's wild. Several hours later. Yeah, right. Yeah. So police take the kids into their care and start to ask Catherine some questions about how all of this ended up happening. Again, she says she was at Tony's house to get her belongings, heard the noise, grabbed the gun, fired at the shadowy figure and ran, taking Natalia's car. Although I never actually saw, like, again, any explanation as to how or why she explained away taking her kids in the process. But police don't really see any significant holes to poke here, right? And Georgia is a stand-your-ground state, meaning Catherine was well within her rights to defend herself and Tony's home, assuming that what she said was true. So they released Catherine without any charges. It's, like, hard to believe... I guess at that point, they really have no evidence to go off of that, you know, she is Mm -hmm. acted outside of self-defense. But when we think again back to that, you know, headshot, the back of her head... This does not scream self-defense. So it's like, makes me wonder if the police, their wheels are already turning like, okay, this is not right, but we don't have enough to go off of in order to be able to charge her with anything or make any type of arrest. Yeah, I have to imagine that they're side-eyeing this, like, pretty hard because, like, what kind of home invader, like, brings their kids along for the ride? Like, especially, and, like, also, too, like, and this, I have no statistics to back this up whatsoever, but, like, what kind of home invader is a woman? Like, I've never heard of that. Like, a mom, you know, like a a new mom at that, too. As a mom myself, I can tell you that if I'm going to go commit armed robbery, I'm not going to be, like... Hey, Addie, chill right here. I'll be back in like 15. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and like, I guess just like plays devil's advocate on that. Like, I mean, again, like, may like clearly, like, like if you know Natalia is really like a home invader, like maybe she's that kind of desperate. Like maybe she's like bringing the kids along because like where else they're gonna leave them? You know what I mean? So like that, like okay, sure. I mean, at least she didn't leave them home alone. If that was you know, yeah. Right. Or like in the hot car or something like that. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess it could have been worse. But again, the optimal words here that we're talking about are assuming that what she said was true, because luckily police really do their due diligence in this case and are not taking Catherine's story at face value. So they start asking Tony about what he thinks of Catherine's story. And he tells police how she had a teenage daughter who she gained custody of and who he had taken under his wing, too, while they were together. Catherine was divorced and her ex-husband had a daughter and when they split up Catherine was able to gain custody somehow and so police even um, ask even more about their life and their relationship etc and Tony says that they had recently broken up and that was why Catherine was at the house that day again just to like take some of her belongings back so that way they could you know go their separate ways for good and so police ask about the baby too probably probing a bit about their co-parenting plans to which Tony replies that Catherine isn't pregnant at all. Wait, but you said she was in her third trimester. Yeah, you're right. I did, Kenzie. But it turns out that the reason why he broke up with Catherine was because he found out that she had been faking being pregnant and was wearing a prosthetic belly to get him to stay with her. No. Yeah. So she was able to fake a pregnancy for that long. For yeah, like what, like almost nine months, right? Like that's that's, that's insane. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which I guess like like half of that is probably not her showing, to be fair. But like yeah, but that's is like deceitful and wrong as that is. That's like 
almost impressive to be able to pull that off and lie to your partner for nine months. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't even really know, like, what to even, like, think of all that, like, at all. But it's just, it's just, like, I don't know. Like, again, like, once, like, I just, I want to be a fly on the wall, like, for that, for that questioning of, of, like, you know, what their reaction was, like, when they were like, oh, like, nope, not pregnant. Like, oh, okay. It looks pregnant. (laughs) So... Yeah, so when Tony found out that this was all a giant ruse, he was, like, so out of there. And police are really intrigued by this new development in what initially presented itself as a break-in gone wrong. And to be clear, like, if I was a cop hearing this, like, this would absolutely get my interest peaked, too. And I would want to know, like, again, every single detail about what the heck is going on here. And so investigators start digging more into Catherine's life, and they start asking her neighbors about her, too. What she's like and tell them this really interesting development that she'd been faking being pregnant. And as reported by the Chattanooga Times Free Press and WRCB, the NBC affiliate in Chattanooga, one neighbor says she is shocked to hear that she was faking, saying it looked like she was about to give birth any day now. But another neighbor says they didn't know that she was faking, but it didn't shock them because they knew that she had faked being pregnant at least twice before. What? Yeah. So now, has she faked a pregnancy twice before with Tony is what I want to know. Or these, like, past relationships? Past relationships, yeah. And, like, maybe that's one of the reasons why her husband divorced her, right? I mean, possibly. That would kind of be a deal breaker for me. Uh, Yeah, that would, like, be prompting divorce pretty quickly. Twice before, that's... Right, 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 right. So in the story by the Chattanooga Times Free Press, neighbors say that Catherine told them that she had a really hard time getting pregnant. And that was apparently at least part of the reason why she and her husband had divorced. And so she tried really hard to have a baby. She wanted one of her own so badly, but never could. And so when she and her boyfriend started having problems, she thought telling him that she was pregnant would stop him from leaving her. But she wasn't. So with time limited she used her trusty old prosthetic bellies to pretend to be pregnant to buy herself some time so transparently i am a mother who can no longer have children biologically and me and my daughter's dad tried for years to get pregnant and so once i learned that wasn't going to happen it i can see where Catherine's coming from and the part of being devastated of like as a woman that's you know you give birth, you get have babies. And so I can see mentally and emotionally how much of a struggle that could be for her. Yeah, right. Um, so I can sympathize with that. But I just have never been pushed to, to be like, oh, let me fake a pregnancy because, you know, there's a chance my ex-husband could leave me for that. That's yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I like also can't even like imagine. I mean, obviously, like, you know, never have never will. Right. Like, you know, being in the situation where it's um, where like being in the situation. Right. And like the amount of stress that that, you know, puts on a relationship um, because you like have this idea of like, you know, what your life is going to be like. Right. I'm sure. So um, it's just, you know, when you find out that that's I mean, in, in, yeah. in, in any kind of, you know, this obviously being like the most extreme example of that. But like, yeah, um, you know, but in a situation where like, you know, you you imagine how your relationship's going to go and then all of a sudden it's not going to happen. Yeah, especially so. because there is alternatives, you know. Right, you know? right. You know, yeah, we, we turned to foster care. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, she could have done that too. But I guess everybody in your own situation, you're going to handle it differently. And she just 
decided mm-hmm. faking pregnancy was the best. Yeah, that was the that was the option for her. So, um, so again, like this is like by far the most interesting crime investigation to police in Catoosa County, Georgia. I mean, their interest is at one hundred percent, and so with their curiosity sharpened, they start looking into how September nineteenth played out for Catherine and Natalia, and what they find confirmed their original suspicions that this was not just some sort of random break-in. Police find that Catherine and Natalia were indeed strangers, but they weren't, like, perfect strangers by any means. In fact, they find that Catherine had invited Natalia over to Tony's home that day. So, uh, I'm assuming we're going to find out how they came across each other, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're about, we're just about to get there. Yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. What a bombshell, right? Like, I don't know. It just, like, this story is, like, just unraveling, right? Like, at the seams. And so I, yeah, well, yeah, let, let's let's get to how they met for sure. So neighbors start to say that Catherine had been advertising free baby clothes on Craigslist. And neighbors said she did this pretty often. Police discovered that Catherine and Natalia met that Friday morning for the very first time. Now, police said that Catherine and Natalia met once that morning before Natalia met Catherine at Tony's house, but it's not, like, totally clear, like, why or how that happened. I'm not 100% on that. But the end result was Natalia going to meet Catherine at Tony's house with the intention of picking up the baby clothes, since, remember, Natalia is the mother of a new three-week-old infant. Right now, it's starting to sound more, like, less and less self-defense. Oh, yeah. No, that's not self-defense at all. If you invite someone to your house, you can't just shoot them. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, unless they, like, attack you. You're, like, in the middle of it, you're like, oh, you know what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No more self-defense. Right. Well, and, like, again, like, a home break-in, like, makes a good amount of sense, like, to shoot somebody, like, you know, even if it's in the back of the head, like, okay, but yeah. the fact that you invite somebody over and then shoot them in the back of the head, like, that, to me, like, yeah. your story yeah. is bogus, like, right from that right from that moment yeah. right so like also too so like like the fact that they like met each other like i was one i was like really trying to like figure out how how this happened the only thing the only like explanation that come up with in my head is that like maybe they like ran into each other at the store you know she had the kids you know natalia meaning um and Catherine was like oh well like i have a bunch of baby clothes at the house um so like you know if you want to like if you need anything and then that's how all that happened but i don't know still feels weird i've had that actually happened to me before mm. because i have i had my daughter yeah she was like nine months old at the time and I was at a gas station and a guy came up to me and he was like, Hey, I have a bunch of baby clothes at my house down the street. It was actually in Cleveland mm. and I was passing through and he was like, Hey, I got a bunch of baby clothes in my house. If you want to just follow me down the street, I was had a gun on me, of course. And so I just got in my car. He came to the car window. I just like pulled my gun out a little bit and then he <laughs> walked away. So it's not like totally like, yeah. not, not plausible for the fact that sure. she could have call her at the store sure. and said, hey, I have all these baby clothes if you'd like them. So that's not like yeah. so out of the question theory. Yeah, and like, I'm, like, yeah, baby clothes, A, expensive as I know you know, and B, you know, very, like, you know, it's, you wear them for a week before all of a sudden they're too big to, to you know, to fit in them anymore, and so yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. And if it's another woman approaching you, right, right, right. you know, you're not going to just assume, you know, she's going to harm right. you. Right. And like, Catherine definitely looks like a mom. You know what I mean? Like, she looks like, like, if you look up pictures of her, like, she looks like, you know, she looks like she could be anybody's, like anybody's a run-of-the-mill, mom. Yeah. She just looks like a run-of-the-mill mom. Right. Exactly. So, um, and so once they find um, that ad, Catherine's fate was sealed and they knew the truth. On September 23rd, 2014, police arrested Catherine Goins at her home in Tennessee and charged her with malice murder, 
felony murder, aggravated assault, tampering with evidence, and possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime. I want to say that just, ah, it's so hard to just like fathom as a mom myself. Also, because this is just about eight weeks before I gave birth to my own daughter. Mm. And so it's just like, it's just crazy to think that any pregnant woman could really be a tar- this target for this crime. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. And we're about to get to, like, the real bombshell of this whole situation. So let's, let's of you know, just how scary that could be. So let's get there, too. So that is when Catherine starts singing. She confesses that, yes, she did invite Natalia over to Tony's home under the pretense that she would be giving Natalia baby clothes. And this is what she says. She says that she let Natalia into the house and said that she could look through the baby clothes, which she had in the basement. But as soon as they got to the stairs, Catherine took out a .380 caliber gun, aimed it at the back of Natalia's head, and fired it, killing her almost instantly and sending Natalia's lifeless body tumbling down the stairs. She says she panicked and tried to figure out a way to hide the body, but she didn't think that far in advance, so she started cleaning up the crime scene, but realized quickly that it was absolutely no use. So she ran out of the home, got into Natalia's car with her two children inside, and took off, calling Tony a while later once she figured out the story that she was going to tell him as her cover. Okay, but why did she do all of this? Well, the reason that she says that she decided she was going to do this was that she saw Natalia's two kids and her three-week-old child and decided that she was going to take Natalia's three-week-old child as her own. Again, as somebody who no longer can biologically have children of my own, who's been through the infertility struggle, and I know how much of like mentally and emotionally that can take, I just, obviously there has to be some other mental health issues underlying oh, yeah. for sure to be able to like push you to that point of taking her life and taking her baby. That's, uh, I can't sympathize with that. I sympathize yeah, oh, with the no. struggle. I cannot sympathize with going to those lengths. The solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and again, like, that is, like, so premeditated, too, right? Because, yeah. and that's the reason why I figured that, like, they had met, like, at some store or something that, that morning, um, something like that. And, like, again, saw the kids and was, like, and concocted this whole idea I don't, I, I don't think that she even had the baby clothes. I don't know why she would have the baby clothes. Um, so I think that it was just, you know, this was... And I and I also wonder, too, like, how many times she's tried this on other people. I wa- okay, you know? so that was what I wanted to bring up. Because I think that this was probably the first time she actually has obviously gone through with this plan. Because right. she's obviously not a natural-born killer. As we know, like, most murderers are a natural-born killer. I don't think mm-hmm. she actually is because she obviously she shot her and then she panicked and then everything just fell apart. Right. So it's like really right. was just right. like an act of probably adrenaline. And yeah. Then, oh, shoot. Like I actually did it. Yeah. And now what the plan that she carried out was, you know, was, you know, not exactly a mastermind masterminded plan by any means. So, yeah. So she tells police that she kills Natalia with the intention of stealing her child to pass them off as her own. She wanted to do this to win back an ex. And to be honest, it's really not clear if that ex was Tony or not. And if it is, I have to imagine that like her killing a woman in his home, self-defense or not, is not exactly like helping out that case by any means. Because it's like, even if Tony, let's say, did not figure out that Catherine was faking her pregnancy... And then you just mm-hmm. show up with a baby. 
Like, mm-hmm. do you think he's not going to ask, like, how in the world did you just birth a whole baby? And, like, I didn't know about it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, like, yeah, certainly question marks there. I mean, my only, like, like again, like, where I go with that is, like, maybe, like, her plan was to, like, you know, co- go away for a couple weeks and then come back with this child and be like, see, look, I wasn't faking. You know what I mean? But, like, I don't know how... I don't know how he knows that she was faking yeah. the pregnancy. And like, I don't know. I don't really see that. Again, don't see that plan going very, no. very well. She clearly is a very good liar or not. Maybe not a very good yeah, one. Yeah, we just play back to she's not like a natural born mastermind killer. Like there was just no really yeah. thought out plan here. Right. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, well, Natalia's two children are unharmed in this whole situation, as far as I'm aware. Natalia's mother did tell WSB, the CBS affiliate in Atlanta, that the kids were placed into the care of a family member and that they would receive therapy. As for Catherine, prosecutors announced that they are seeking the death penalty for her. And interestingly, I read in, in an article by WRCB that in Georgia, a death penalty sentence, at least at the time, could only be handed down in this case if the prosecutors are able to prove that the kidnapping did indeed occur during the commission of a murder, which I'm guessing they would have a pretty easy time proving. But they would never even need to prove that to a jury because Catherine ends up taking a plea deal in exchange for the death penalty sentence being dropped. She pleads guilty to all of the charges and is sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I'm glad that Natalia and her family got justice. And this is like kind of just my own personal opinion and people can like, you know, disagree or whatever, but it's probably best in the end for her to have taken that plea deal, even though the death sentence was taken off the table, because I couldn't imagine Mm -hmm. like Natalia's family just lost her. And that's so traumatic enough. And then to have to sit through a horrible trial like that, knowing details and, I think, you know, that plea deal, her taking that was probably the best thing she could have done for Natalia's family and not put them through that. Yeah. I totally agree. And she seemed, you know, just if you watch like the the news coverage of her taking this plea deal, like she's a wreck. And so I'm wondering, like, there's like a part of my brain almost that like wonders like what was going through her head, like even if there was possibly like drugs involved at the time, um, you know, of of when she like actually murdered Natalia, because it she seemed like because so, you see all the time, right? Like I was just watching the um the Willard Miller thing that just happens, like I think this week as of the recording of this podcast um like he seemed like so he was the guy who he he was like a student who like killed his spanish teacher because of a bad grade is what he said and so he like beat her with a baseball bat um you know according to this whole thing and like uh, according to what prosecutors say of 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 what happened and he just did not seem to care at all on his face and like obviously that takes like a specific you know very special type of you know psycho yeah um but point being is that like so again i say all that to say that like she like the the emotion on her face like it clearly was like weighing on her at this point and so again i'm wondering like if there was something going on you know mental health wise you know possibly drug related oh, yeah there had yeah. to have been yeah right like just from like the like i know how mentally and emotionally that can be and so she's already having like those underlying mm-hmm. mental health issues that she's probably struggling with right there's probably still a little bit of compassion inside of her you know mm-hmm. again I just, my own opinion, I don't think she was like this natural born killer who's just an evil human. 
But so that's probably why it was a little bit emotionally taxing on her. And she probably had a lot of guilt and like totally is probably feeling some remorse. Like, holy crap, what yeah, did I right, just do? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, she's living with that for sure. But at the same time, I mean, I think, you know, life life in prison without parole, I mean, seems like the right move for this for this woman. I mean, I I'm strongly believe you murder somebody, you go in jail, you go to jail for the rest of your life, like period, regardless of how it happened. But oh, absolutely. Like if you take somebody else's life, no matter how you've done it, whether it's premeditated, yeah, regardless whatever, of how much you repent you for kill it, somebody. Yeah. yeah, I don't care how much guilt you carry. You are it should be in prison yeah. for life. That's not excusable. That's not forgivable. You are in prison for yeah. life. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, well, at Catherine's sentencing, Natalia's mother gave this really emotional and heart wrenching testimony where she said that she forgave Catherine for killing her daughter and begged her to seek the help and rehabilitation that she needed. Her mom must just be a really amazing soul yeah. because yeah. that to be able to stand up there and face her daughter's killer, who you know, that's and to be able to say that she forgave her for what she did, that's got to be one of the most selfless things somebody could say when your daughter's been murdered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I would never be able to get there. You know, I don't have kids, but like I like if it was someone I loved as much as, you know, a parent loves their kids, no matter what you said, no matter what you did, I could never I could never find it in my heart to to to, to forgive somebody for that. I just couldn't. There's no yeah. way. You take my baby's life, I could never. Yeah. So forgive Yeah, I mean, I guess like like good for her for having more willpower than us, but <laughs> you know, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Good on her for having, you know, good morals yeah. and you know, high yeah. ground on that, but I just, I could yeah. never. Yeah. And I also too have to imagine that it probably like the, like, again, like, like she was like distraught, you know? And so mm-hmm. I, it probably had something to do with that. Like she clearly realized that this woman was going through something in some way. So yeah, I will say this though. I will say this long in my own healing journey, I have forgiven people for things I never thought mm-hmm. I would. And I didn't actually do it for them. I did it for mm-hmm. me. So I devil's True. advocate here more than likely Catherine's mom probably actually forgave her because it's a part right. of her own. healing. Right. 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 So that way it's not weighing on her for forever. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, Kenzie, that is all that we have for you this week. So thank you so much again for coming on. It was such a great time talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. And this really was a bombshell of a case. Yeah. This is wild. And to know that it just happened like a few minutes down yeah. the road from us. Yeah. Like, I feel like you said, this is probably like one of the biggest crimes that this area has probably mm. seen in such a gruesome yeah. manner. Yeah, for real. And yeah. And um, so I and I do have to give a little bit of a shout out because, um, you know, I know that she listens to this podcast every week. And so um, Michelle Heron, who was on the Stephen Smith episode with us, um, she covered this case like this was her thing back when when all this was happening. Um, and so she she was the, the person who originally tipped me off to this to, to this story. And so I was like, I do need to do this case. So shout out to Michelle on that. Um, so but in the meantime, Ken. Tell everyone where they can find you, your work, and your podcast online. You can find Cremaholics on all major platforms. That's Apple, Spotify, Our Heart Radio. You can follow us on Instagram at Cremaholics.podcast. You can follow us on TikTok, also at Cremaholics.podcast. Uh, you can find Consignment Therapy also on all major platforms. And you can follow us on Instagram at CST.podcast. If you want to follow me personally, you can follow me at This is Kenzie, K E N Z I underscore on Instagram. 
Awesome. And I also do have to like, um, cause you do like something really cool, um, every Monday where you, you guys do missing Mondays where you sp- uh, focus specifically on missing people. Um, which you, I mean, I, you know, any true crime lover, you know, that is where like their heart lies is like people who just like have never been found. Um, so that's a really cool thing that you guys do too. Thank you so much. It's uh, missing Mondays has been one of our biggest hits. And I always tell people on any show that I'm on, if you guys have any missing persons case or, you know, somebody personally who's missing, please feel free, feel free to message us on Instagram and reach out and let us know and we can take a look into it. Well, and they'll do the case. There you go. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kenzie, for coming on. And thank you all so much for listening. We are going to put all of our sources on our website so you can read everything for yourself and probably come up with a few theories too. And if you are just loving this podcast and are just wondering how you can tell everyone and anyone about it, the best way to help others discover this podcast is by leaving us a five-star rating and a review wherever you are listening right now. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're wondering what we have in store for you next week, here's a quick sneak peek. Hello, everybody. It's Liam. And Danica Yates from the podcast Murder Mimosas. Next week, we are joining the crime vineyard to tell you a story about a Canadian mystery that terrorized the streets of Vancouver, Canada for more than two decades. It's a heartbreaking story about nearly 60 women who seemed to vanish into the night while no one seemed to be looking for them. So we'll tell you that story next Wine Wednesday on another episode of Crime Over Wine. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.